beautiful people. Welcome to the Glorious and the Mundane podcast. I'm your host, Christy Knuckles. I hope this episode finds you well and settling into new rhythms this season. One of my new rhythms in this season is cleaning up after two little ducklings by the names of Hope and Dream. At least twice a day for the past two weeks, I've seen more duck poop than I ever thought possible. If you saw my Instagram and the pitter-patter of their little tiny feet and started searching how to raise ducks, just a word of caution. (laughs) While I still hold true to my opinion that ducks are in the top five cutest creatures known to man, I would put them in the top three of the messiest creatures that you could domesticate in this world. (laughs) I'm still glad I got them. They have brought us more joy in this season than any of us saw coming, but I did feel that it was the responsible thing to do to tell you a little bit of the reality. My friend Megan, who I told you about last episode, the one who texted me the names Hope and Dream when she saw their picture, not knowing that the Lord had already put those names in my heart for them for real. She told me last night by text that she thinks that I should share a little bit more sometime on some of the specifics of my duck and chicken keeping. You know, like the fact that I bought them a pink puppy pack and play from Amazon. (laughs) That's been my brooder for them, which a brooder is what you call the area that you keep them in when they're tiny babies. I, I know this pink puppy pack and play sounds extravagant, maybe just because it's pink, but that little thing was well worth the 30 bucks I spent on it. It's circular and you can zip out the bottom of it. And there's also this netting top piece that zips on and off too. So some days I can take it outside and unzip the bottom so the duckies and chickies can get the feel of being outside underneath their feet. But then I can keep the netting piece on the top so that they're safe, you know, from our prowling hawks and owls out here at Keeper's Branch. But I'm getting ready to hose that pink pack and play off today actually and store it because last night we got the ducklings outside in their new little home. Yes, they're that big. I bought them actually a doghouse that I'm painting white to match our home, of course. And then around them is a thick poultry pen, which is just like we have for our chickens, actually. It protects them from all sides from all of the predators that we have out here. But I texted Megan last night a picture, are you ready for this, of our duck cam. Nathan has these different cams set up cameras out on our land that alert him if something's going on, particularly, you know, if armadillos are out there destroying our lawn and flower beds. We've talked about this, but he wants to know about it so that he can, you know, put an end to it, if you know what I mean. But he so graciously let me borrow a camera last night for the ducklings. It actually took me a minute to get them to understand that the doghouse was where they would be safe and snugly. There's straw in there. There's a covered roof on it. It's waterproof. So last night, just as it was getting dark, I actually had to go out there because it kept looking on the cam, and I saw them both sitting as close to the door as they could because they know that's where I come in and out, the little poultry pen door that swings open. They were sitting like snuggled close to that. Well, I had to go out there. It was just getting dark and shoo them into the little doghouse. And I literally had to, you know, put them in it a couple of times and say to them, stay, lay down, stay. I know you think I'm crazy, but ducks are smart. And just like puppies, 
It took me about three times of getting them, you know, in the doghouse, they'd crawl back out and I would kind of stand there quietly and wait. And I would say, no, go back in, stay, lay down. And they finally got it. And once they were in for good for the night, they stayed in there until daybreak. It was beautiful. I know that sounds so strange, but they actually obey me when I tell them no, (laughs) which we actually say nay here around the house. A dog trainer actually taught that to us. I don't know. Maybe it's because you're able to like draw it out longer. You say nay, (laughs) and it makes our dog's ears go back, and you can just see the shame in their eyes. So I've been using nay with the ducks, and they have learned that that means no-no. But anyway, maybe when I get them all settled, I'll send some pictures out there into the universe so that you can see them. It's going to take some time, blood, sweat, and tears, I will say, to get that area looking like I have it in my mind and heart, but hopefully we'll get there. And we should only be a few weeks away from our first eggs with the chickens. So that is exciting. And it will be fun to have at least some payoff for all of our hard work. (laughs) Well, there's another new rhythm in my life. For those of you who took the piano plunge with me earlier in the spring and decided to take piano lessons from Rooted Online Music Coaching along with me, I'm happy to tell you that I actually started my piano lessons. I have to be honest that I needed to get through the craziness of the summer. And now I've set a time on Tuesday mornings at 9.30 when the girls are doing school to have my piano lesson. And I have to say, I already learned a few things I didn't know. I even learned how to read a little bit of music in the very first few lessons, and I feel very proud of myself, and I just wanted to share that. Well, we are going to get into Psalm 119 together today. Following that, I'm excited to say that we have Michael Lynn Smith back as our guest today, and she's going to share around decorating our homes for the seasons. She has a brand new, very lovely book, I might add, called Welcome Home, A Cozy Minimalist Guide to Decorating and Hosting all year round. It's available anywhere right now, wherever you buy books. And it's always such a joy to hear from Mike Lynn. I love her heart. I love her style. And I think now is the time to make our homes into gathering spaces more than we ever have. So it's beautiful to get to have her today. But before the interview, let's come around this lovely psalm together. Our Hebrew letter for this episode is the letter Mem. M-E-M. This letter in pictograph clearly looks like a wave of water, and it actually means just that, water. And all throughout Scripture, it might jog your memory, that we see water is closely connected to the Word of God. Ephesians 5.26 reminds us that Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her, that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. In John 4, we hear about Jesus's encounter with the woman at the well. As he tells her in verse 13, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Well, I love the correlation here with our Hebrew letter Mem. Hebrewforchristians.com talks about this spring being associated with this. It says, just as the waters of an underground spring rise upward from an unknown source to reveal themselves, so does the spring of wisdom rise up from the mysterious source who is God 
the flowing streams of the inner wisdom can be expressed through the gift of speech. Proverbs 18.4 says, The words a man speaks are deep waters, a flowing stream, a fountain of wisdom. It's beautiful, isn't it, to think that as we experience the cleansing flood who is Jesus, and even the essential to life water that is His Word, it becomes in us deep waters, even a flowing fountain of wisdom. Let's sit under this essential to life water even now together. This is Psalm 119 verses 97 through 104. I'm happy to say that this is the word of the Lord. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Okay, so I know right away that this sounds like a complete 180 from last episode where we heard from our friend Lisa Bevere about the older women teaching the younger women. And here the psalmist is proclaiming, I have more understanding than all my teachers. I understand more than the aged. This is the perfect example of how Psalm 119 can be completely intimidating at first glance and even sometimes a bit confusing. But this is why we press in. We investigate. We try to understand the lyric of this song. We want to get to the place where we, too, can sing it. Well, upon investigating several sources, it seems that what the psalmist is trying to say is that with the Word of God as his compass and the authority over his life as his teacher, and he, of course, makes sure we know that he is meditating on the Word of God all the day, that this is how it could be possible to surpass his teachers and even elders and certainly his enemies. But before we move forward, I feel like we need to just pause right here and talk about this verse where he says that he meditates on the Word of God all the day. Again, let's not be intimidated by this, but instead investigate how this could be possible for us with all that we have on our plates and even in the pace of life we carry. Most of us don't have the ability in this season of life to light a candle and sip on coffee and complete solitude all the day in the Word of God as much as we would all love that. We've talked about this before, though, when we talked about the concept of praying without ceasing. We can't very well walk around with our heads bowed and our eyes closed all day. So praying without ceasing has got to mean something else, doesn't it? Maybe it can mean that we take the minutes we do have with the Lord and His Word, and we learn how to take them with us all the day. I think most of us can manage some coverage on the home front for at least 15 minutes, even if it's not completely quiet around you. But to find one scripture or just two or three to, to meditate on all the day, this is the epitome of the glorious and the mundane. It's praying without ceasing lived out. (laughs) 
we get to continue the conversation that we start with the Lord in those little minutes in the morning, whenever it is, and you carry it with you throughout the day. That would be the great thing about doing this in the morning first thing so that you can carry it with you all the day. It reminds me of Duolingo. This isn't a commercial, but it's this little app that helps you learn a foreign language. My Annie Rose actually showed it to me, and she's been spending time on it learning French. Well, their method kind of reminds me of the same approach. They consider a person, get this, who spends 15 minutes a day on their app learning a foreign language to be serious about learning that language. They tell you that their method is proven, that you can truly learn a new language like this. Now, if Duolingo can promise something like that, imagine what God promises to us for those of us who will spend time meditating and soaking in His Word, even if it looks like this 15-minute approach as a starting place, and then continuing that conversation with Him all day long until you crawl under your covers that night. Should we work toward giving the Lord more of our time? Yes. But sometimes it starts, and it has to start, with this habit of at least just giving Him something, five to 15 minutes of a pause to surrender our heart, to truly consecrate ourselves to Him once again, our heart, our mind, our will, our body, soul, spirit, to remember that He is God, He is good, and He is with us, and to partake of His love letter written to us in the form of his word. This is how the psalmist says that he's able to have more understanding than his teachers, even more than the aged. He has become those deep waters, that flowing fountain. We've talked about before that the Bible is the only book that exists where the author is right there with you in the form of his spirit, leading you to have a deeper understanding of it. With the spirit of God, As our teacher, the psalmist is saying, this is how it's possible to outgrow your leaders and your teachers in understanding and in application. I love that. It means that any of us, if we'll make the choice, can grow to new depths in understanding God's Word, maybe even outgrowing those who have taught us and led us through the years. I don't know that the intention here is to outgrow our leaders. I just believe the Lord is showing us here how deep the waters of His Word truly are. And what is available to us when we choose to come and drink? As I was researching the letter Mem, I found that one of the names of God begins with this letter Mem. It's the name Makem, and it means place. I couldn't help but think of the power of place and how we can all look back on our lives and remember where we were standing when certain things happened to us or when certain things were spoken to us both life-giving words and words that cause great wounds. I think about the night in the woods at the youth retreat that I've told you about before, where my brother and I and a few friends walked out in the woods together after the worship service one night, and we ended up just kind of casually talking about the Lord, and it was prompted by us looking up at the stars. Without the city or neighborhood lights, it was as if we were looking up at an ocean of stars that night. And we begin to talk about God together in that place to the point where something happened looking back that I don't even really know how to describe other than we sensed for maybe the first time in my life, for sure, the manifest presence of God. I can count on one hand the times that that's actually even happened to me since. We were high school kids and we ended up taking our shoes off 
right there in the woods with tears streaming down our faces because we knew we were on holy ground. The power of place. I think about the church where Nathan and I got married and the memories I have in that place of being in the choir there in high school. I've shared with you before about the worship leader there and how he chose to put me out in front to lead probably long before I was really even ready. But that place changed me forever. I, of course, think of the word home when I think of the power of place. Our homes really are this place that reflects who we are and therefore who God is since He's our maker and our creator. In fact, He made us to be a home for His very Spirit. We are able to house the Spirit of God in us. How incredible is that? You know my love for home and creating a space for family and friends and anyone who God chooses to bring through our door. I did a whole season called There's No Place Like Home. In fact, that's the last time I had Michael in on the podcast, and I'm just so happy to have her back today. And I think you're really going to love hearing from her again, especially towards the end when she and I talk about the mantle of our homes. I hope you enjoy it. Well, I am so excited today to get to host Michael and Smith again. Welcome back to the Glorious of the Mundane. Oh my goodness, Christy. I am so glad to be here. You are so good at hosting and hospitality. And so thank you. Thank you for being who you are. Well, I'm so disappointed that you were going to actually be at my farm table like you were last time and you didn't get to make the trip this time. So we are across the miles, but... I'm so excited to get to talk to you again, and thank you for saying that. And I was just telling Michael and earlier as we were chatting before the interview that I'm most disappointed because I was actually going to ask you some advice on a couple of things around the house, (laughs) things that need to be painted. And so I was actually kind of like, oh... I maybe even wanted to do a video podcast for one one round of video podcasts. We could like maybe go around my dining room and have you help me. (laughs) Oh, that would have been so much fun. Uh, Now I'm really sad. I know. Well, maybe (laughs) next book we'll do a video one and you can help me transform something around here. I love that. But I'm so excited. You have a new book. It's called Welcome Home, A Cozy Minimalist Guide to Decorating and Hosting All Year Round. And I'm excited for you for that. I know that this probably came out of you teaching a lot. I know you teach classes and kind of which came first, like the chicken or the egg, sort of that question of like, did this book come first or have you been teaching? And this sort of came out of what people needed. Like, how did this particular book come around? Oh, I think that's such a good question. And ultimately, I feel like probably for a lot of writers or just a lot of creators in general, whatever it is that you're doing, a lot of times the idea comes out of a frustration or something you're learning. So I did have some classes on this, but really what fueled me writing about, because it's a book about seasonal decor and hosting, was I was kind of frustrated with how I was personally approaching seasonal decor and hosting. And I wasn't quite happy about that. And so this was like years and years ago, before I ever wrote the book, I kind of had to work through like, why am I frustrated with my seasonal decor? Because I love fall, but it sometimes would feel like a part-time job at fall or Christmas or even, you know, decorating for Easter or Mother's Day or whatever it was. Like, I wasn't quite sure what to do. I felt like I was spending a lot of money on those beautiful aisles at Hobby Lobby. (laughs) And then I gave myself a job of packing stuff away in bins for like 10 months out of the year. And I just felt like there has to be another way. Mm -hmm. I so 
Agree. And that's what I'm really most excited about. I have to say right away that I see you when you used hymns for a lot of the different chapters, like for the beauty of the earth, morning, my morning, new mercies I see. I just wanted to say, I see what you did there, and I loved it. Um, Thank that, you for that. Spoke to me. <laughs> but I love that you laid this out in the different seasons. And so I can go, you know, it's September right now. I can look up the upcoming season and kind of just take on that much. But I also love that I can see how what I'm preparing or buying or clipping from outside can actually, like, carry me into deeper into fall. So I love that. So kind of give me an idea. It is September right now. So I thought yeah. it'd be fun to talk about like, what could my next move be? Because I haven't bought one single thing for fall or got any of my stuff out that is in tubs in the basement. <laughs> so oh, it is September. Is so I mean, I think I do have some friends who've already got their pumpkin stuff out. Um, what What's my next move? If I haven't done anything, I've kind of got some just dried greenery here on the farm table from Kroger. Well, first of all, I just like to say there's no right or wrong time to decorate for fall. I feel like the right time is when you're ready for fall in your life. So you don't have to wait till the fall equinox or whatever it is. So you're doing it right, first of all. Um, (laughs) The first thing I like to do, and this can sound kind of backwards, but sometimes the very first step of welcoming the season is kind of walking around your house and seeing if there's anything that's like blatantly from the last season that you don't need anymore. And a lot of the way that I view my house or like even decorate is less about just purely visual like tchotchkes and decor, which I love and am addicted to, but just thinking about the activities that we do in our home every season. And so a lot of times as we move into fall, there's some activities that we're just not doing in our house anymore. And so just to kind of walk around the house, you know, is the beach bag out or the beach towel still hanging on the back of the laundry room door? You have flip-flops piled up, um, maybe summer hats that you don't need. I know our kids, they have like different magazines out in the summer and then they have their textbooks out during fall. And so mm-hmm. just kind of removing things is such a wonderful first step to make room for the season. And I also think it's helpful just to kind of pay attention to how God is in creation. And so, you know, in my past, I used to be all about like a consumer fall, like, oh, what do I need to go buy to help my house look like fall? Because I really want my house to feel like the season. I think that's a wonderful thing. But the only tool I knew to get there was to go and buy stuff. Mm-hmm. And and you may need to buy stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. I love buying beautiful things. But I think if we kind of recognize how God is in creation, like at any point, we could probably walk in our backyard and after a couple minutes, really kind of know what season it is by what we see, by what we hear, by what we smell, uh, by what we feel, like really through our senses is how we experience the seasons. And so to bring that inside of our house and instead instead of just relying on that visual decor to really think and work through our senses and how we can experience the season in our home through our five senses. Mm. This is one of the quotes that is in the book that I loved. It says, entertaining is about the host, but hospitality is about the guest. This makes all the difference for us regular folk, because if we have to wait around until things are perfect to invite anyone over, we'll never do it. But if we choose to make hospitality a priority, we can start right now with whatever we have. Come as you are, and I'll meet you as I am. I love that so much. And I think as we are going into you know, transitioning into fall. I also love that this book came out 
in a time that our homes are important more than ever, probably. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It's like we're, I mean, some of us are probably having church in our homes. We're, um, you know, some of us are schooling for the first time in our homes. And it is important. I love that. And I need to do that. Just going around at first, kind of making room for the season. Um, and then going outside. I love that. What can you get that's just for free in your yard that God is already doing with the seasons? But then I like to think about you know, hosting this fall. So maybe even thinking ahead of like making room for um, being able to to host and it not being, you know, you, all, you always say this, which I love. It's not about showing off our homes. It's about just using them as we've always wanted to. And hosting is a huge part of that. And so have you found even just not to like focus on the pandemic thing, which but you know what I'm saying. Have you found during this season that being able to help people in their homes is more important than ever, it seems, even just functionality, but also just that our homes are becoming a place that maybe more than ever that we're being able to be in community? Yes, uh, you put that so well. I feel like the homes all across the world have a big smile on their face right now. They are loving the year 2020. You know, like we're all home. We're all using every square inch of them. We're like paying attention if they're working or not. Like everything I feel like I've ever tried to encourage us in our home, we are all having to do whether on purpose or not. I think we're all making sure, you know, oh, is that dining room not being used? Well, we got to turn that into a school room or a music room or an office or whatever it is. And that is how we should always be approaching our home. Just, you know, we're able to spend more time in our home right now and really evaluate how it's working for us. And I think that's the first step in good design. I think that's the first step in making decorating decisions. Um, And it's such a smart way to live in your home because really our houses are never finished. Like finish isn't the goal when it comes to home. It's just a, a the same with our lives. Like our life is always changing. Our seasons are always changing. My husband and I, our youngest, just went to college. In a few years, we might have grandkids. I don't know. And so our home has to adapt for that to happen. And so it's not about having a home that's done. It's about having a home that's flexible, that serves us well. And it's my job to pay attention to how it's serving us and what I can change in order for us all to get along, you know, as best as possible. Mm. I think this book is just in a really great way. It's like accessible and it's kind of like baby steps in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Which I I need (laughs) Um, because it's not this overhaul. It's not, um, you know, a massive undertaking. I love that really you're about sort of getting rid of what we don't use, getting rid of what we don't need and, either saving what we really will use or, you know, there really are some things we might be missing. My kitchen is one of those examples and we need to clean out (laughs) a lot of our cabinets and really to, because when I do host people, I find myself digging through a bunch of stuff that I literally never use. And it, to get to that one thing, that I need to actually pull out and, and host people. And this is the thing I told you earlier that I laughed at, but you said, um, just make sure that you can use all these things together. You're giving people a list of like, it's what's this little ending chapter called? It's called Hosting Basics. And um, you said, make sure you can use all of the stuff that you have together so it doesn't look like you're serving a luncheon for clowns. 
<laughs> does that make so sense? true? The clutter does cause some stress. And I think, I think you relate to that. And probably a lot of your listeners do too. And I do too, because of the fact that we value hosting mm-hmm. so much. And so we want to be prepared and we will collect, you know, the jade cake stand and um, the beautiful platters and whatever it is. But before we know it, we kind of have this collection that doesn't quite work together. And so one of the things, because I found myself in the same situation where I had stacks and stacks of serviceware because I value hosting. But then I realized, you know, it doesn't really do me a favor if I have, uh, you know, a red and white stripe piece that I can only use at Christmas and Valentine's Day. Like I wanted all my stuff to work together so I could serve with it, whether it was 4th of July or New Year's Eve or Mother's Day or baby shower, or my husband's birthday. And so I really tried to put parameters on what I collect for serviceware, which I still probably collect it, but I do white, I do woods and I do metals. And that way, you know, we still, you can still see when I am, if I set up a buffet or whatever it is, you still know what season it is because of the linens, because of whatever greenery I have, because even the food that you serve a lot of times is kind of a nod to the season, but I'm not relying on my service wear to be like, Hey, it's fall y'all or, you know, Thanksgiving or anything. It doesn't have to talk to us. And it's so freeing because it doesn't limit us. And so I have just put a stop to buying anything that's season specific or like a color that I can't use in my home no matter what the celebration, no matter who I'm hosting. And that's really, really helped me kind of pare down, but still have the stuff because we still want to be able to serve people. Yes. And and we're not talking about, you know, breaking the bank on this stuff. This is stuff you can find at Target, at just places that are super accessible, especially white. And I love that. And it's kind of like the realization I had a long time ago with my house. I remember my very first house, uh, we kind of took it from this, like we called it, everyone called it the haunted house in the neighborhood. And <laughs> <laughs> we bought it um, and transformed it. We didn't know we were flipping it, which I'm sure that was how you were doing the first couple of houses that you lived in. But it's like, we didn't know we were really, you know, turning it upside down. But just little by little we did. But I kept like painting the walls, like really, you know, like warm, beautiful colors, but I kept just feeling claustrophobic. And finally, I'll never forget when I just started paying attention to my country living magazines or country home and going like, oh, the walls are all white. And then I can have all the like pretty linens or, and it changed everything for me. And I know that's not everyone's style, but it's kind of what you're saying. It's like, if you just sort of have like a base, um, you know, collection of things that are all one tone, then it's like you can add the fun stuff. You can add the greenery or you can add all the napkins, which I'm like textile junkie. And so that kind of stuff excites me. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I love it. Okay. Well, I wanted just to kind of end with talking about the mantle a little bit. I actually love this word mantle and we use it in the ministry world some when we say that someone has like a specific mantle of leadership, whether that be like a, you know, intercession or prayer mantle or over someone's life, or they have a real, a mantle to lead worship, or they have a mantle to teach. We use that word sometimes. And I actually looked it up this morning. Webster's Dictionary says it's an important role or responsibility that passes from one person to another. And I also love that 
a mantle can mean a covering. And specifically, it can mean, this is coming from like the English, uh, original English, it means a cloak or a shawl, like especially worn by women. So I just think it's beautiful to think about the mantle of our home being a reflection of who we are, of our covering, and even our specific role or legacy that we get to pass down. Now, I'm not saying my mantle reflects that right now. I think I have some like... uh, like, what do you call them? Uh, antlers. Oh my gosh. Antlers. <laughs> there it is. It's really hard, but I can't see them. See in there. No. Um, lately, I've just walked up to my kids and I'm like trying to um, say a word and I'm like, the word won't come. And it's like, it's like the word book or, or in this case, antlers. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that my mantle reflects that right now. I have some antlers, but maybe it just reflects that I, I love the outdoors. I love, there's some books up there, but I love this idea that you talk about the importance of actually investing in a piece that you love for your mantle that you can use year round. So tell me a little bit about that. And maybe just what do you have on your mantle? Yeah. Okay. First of all, what you just said, like that'll preach. I think you need to write about that. That was so good. I had chills listening to it. Uh, but I think you're right. Like the mantle is such a wonderful opportunity for meaningful beauty because for a lot of us, our mantle, unlike maybe the coffee table or the kitchen island, it's not a surface that needs like, it has like a high use or function. It's just there to be beautiful and to add meaning to our world. And so I love thinking about it in that way. And so for us, it's such a great opportunity to maybe bring some meaning and some beauty into our home. And I know um, before I kind of became a cozy minimalist and I was just like really randomly buying small tchotchkes to hopefully make my house look better. I would look forward. Can you explain Uh tchotchkes really quick? (laughs) Well, tchotchkes are just, it's like a, what is, I don't even know where it comes from. It's I mean, I know what it is, but maybe. Yeah, okay. So it's um, just tiny, tiny decorative objects. So I refer to a tchotchke as anything smaller than a pineapple. That's just, they're cute. They're sweet. We probably, we all have tchotchkes in our house. Totally. Some people call them giga or small. It's like little decorative things. The problem is if we go to Target or Home Goods or the yard sale or secondhand and we come home with a handful of tchotchkes, they are not going to make a visual difference in our home because they're so small. And when everything in our home has a visual voice, which I believe it does, if we only have teeny tiny things in our home, they're not going to have the impact that we want. And I know for so long I relied on tchotchkes, like they really carried the burden. Uh, number one, it's trying to be a good steward of our money and I didn't want to spend too much. So like a $4 small little you know, black and white camel, I thought would be such a great way to spend my money because it's not very much money. But unfortunately, I brought that camel home and put it on my mantle and you couldn't see it. I mean, it was just, it was too small to make an impact. So I need like 43 more tchotchkes. And ultimately, (laughs) Christy, I was spending much more money, having much more stuff. Whereas if I would have just really honed in on the one or two things. And so, you know, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I can't wait to do my mantle for fall. And I can't either. But if you do not like your mantle naked, like if you don't like your mantle seasonless, Mm. you're not going to be happy with it when you add some fall touches. And what will end up happening is you're going to buy like a big fall specific uh, piece of art, and then you'll take it down at Thanksgiving and you won't, you know, you'll have to start over. And so I say, you know, before you decorate for your mantle, uh, for the season, just make sure that you like it how it is. And it can be so simple. I really like to start with one 
piece of art and I call art can be anything like art can be uh, your kid's baptismal gown hung. It can be, um, you know, something your kids drew at school. It can be a mirror. It can, anything that goes on the wall to me, I call art. Mm. So I look for something that's about, fills maybe about two thirds the space above the mantle. And I don't, I never measure. I don't, I don't believe in measuring, but that way (laughs) what happens is if it's a lot smaller than that, we visually know like, Oh, this, this feels too small. So our tendency is to add more and more things. Mm -hmm. And my whole point is to get the most amount of style with the least amount of stuff. And so to me, like kind of the magic formula for over your mantle is to find one really meaningful piece uh, that you find beautiful to put on your mantle and then add a container. And in that container, that's usually where I change up the season. And so if it's spring, I'm going to you know, cut some forsythia from my yard or just something maybe that's has some buds on it for summer. I just cut like pieces of my pecan tree with leaves on it, put some water in that container. Mm-hmm. Fall, I get dried leaves or just a b- empty branch. And then in winter, I'll pull out some evergreen from my yard. And so that's kind of ever changing, mm-hmm. but I don't have to go and buy like all these new things from the store. And you can, and that's fine. But I'm here just to remind everyone that if that makes you tired, or if you just want a simpler way, there is another way. And it's just taking a nod from our creator in creation. Goodness, that is a good word, isn't it? We should live most of our lives taking a nod from our creator. And tis the season to do that as fall is approaching and God's faithfulness that we get to see through the harvest. I hope you feel inspired today to know that creating and inviting home doesn't have to mean more stuff, but can actually look like making room, clearing space, simplifying bringing in some of the abundance growing right outside our door. If you'd like to become a patron of this podcast, your support means the world to me as I'm creating this from my little home today to yours. You can go to patreon.com slash to become a part of our lovely patron community. And it is just that. It's lovely and it is a community. I hope you will check it out. And I also hope that you have a glorious week. I'll talk to you soon. 